Trying to grab all the groceries in one trip? Oof, not how you would have done that. You know sometimes less is more. Like when you drive less and save with the USAA annual mileage discount. USAA, get a quote today. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora. Always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 59. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday, Steelers Nation, as we get ready for a pretty important Week 14 game between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Baltimore Ravens. Pittsburgh 5-7, and seven, Baltimore 8-4 and four this game, meaning a fair amount here for each side. But have to just at least mention off the top here, I didn't really watch it. I'm just catching the highlights. But how about about some Baker mania on that <laughs> Thursday night? I just unbelievable. I was saying to you before the game, I don't know what would be funnier if Baker played and was terrible or if Baker played and was good. But the answer is if Baker played and was good because what a what a crazy game that was. Yeah, uh, and I think uh, we you know got each other's picks right before the game too. And I I, I put in there. Uh, and, and we both, by the way, took the, uh, Raiders minus the six and a half points. And, uh, uh, I, I said Rams might not score a touchdown. LOL. Well, uh, it was looking like it was, I, I was looking like, uh, super smart <laughs> for, for most of that game. Uh, but they finally got, uh, got things moving, got, was able to move. Man, the, the Raiders just, uh, can't, can't put away some, you know, can't put away these fourth you know, quarter leads and they've let quite a few games slip through their hands. And what looked like was going to be a for sure Raiders win, uh, turned into an L and it's all Baker mania, as you mentioned right now. And, uh, I, I didn't view this game, this Raiders game as being huge when it comes to, you know, win or lose, you know, when it comes to the Steelers, because obviously those two teams play in a couple of weeks from now, if the Steelers run the table, it just, it doesn't matter what the Raiders do, but a loss uh, Thursday night to the Rams certainly does not hurt the Steelers. That's for sure. Absolutely. So yeah, the Raiders who Pittsburgh will see in a couple of weeks, just can't finish. I'm not sure what the future of Josh McDaniels is. I imagine he'll at least finish out the year, just given all the money that's owed him. But what a mess over there. But yeah, I mean, one day of practice followed by a 98 yard game winning touchdown drive. I mean, <laughs> that is, that is a game Baker Mayfield will not let us forget. Man, that, and, you know, the Raiders have some, you know, have, have outside the offensive line, I think has been beat up quite a bit, but, uh, man, they, they have some talented guys over there as well, too. You would think that they would have, at least I, I thought they probably have a few more wins than they do right now, but, uh, they just can't get everything in sync and, 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 and they can't hold on to leads. That's for sure. There are some teams in sports and in the NFL that, that are the on paper teams. They look great on paper and in practice, they just, they can't find a way to finish. And that's probably a reflection of coaching. And for Pittsburgh, they're going to have to find a way to finish against a pretty talented Ravens team that's hurting, but still a, a tough group. And so let's talk about uh, that. We'll start here with the Steelers Thursday injury report. Uh, four players not practicing on Thursday for the Steelers, three due to injury. They are Deontay Johnson with a hip. Uh, TJ Watt with his ribs, Larry Ogunjobi with his toe, and Kim Hayward as rest. I don't know if there's extreme concern for any of those guys. It was a little 
concerning to see Deontay and Watt go from limited on Wednesday to not practicing on Thursday. But I still imagine both guys are going to play. I imagine they're going to practice here on Friday. Uh, limited included Najee Harris with the oblique, uh, Chukwuma for with the shoulder. That's a, a name to watch there. Malik Reed was full with a back injury. He did not work on Wednesday. And so I don't know if there's one name to really circle. I'm probably watching a core for the most, but we'll see what Friday brings. Yeah, we will. And it, I, I just, it, from where I sit, I'll be surprised if TJ and, and, and Deontay aren't ready to go. It kind of feels like maybe, uh, you know, to just kind of give them a mid, mid, midweek, you know, day off here. As we mentioned, man, TJ Watt probably smart and pretty good, uh, from, from that, uh, shot in the ribs against the Colts a couple of weeks ago there. Uh, Larry Ogan Joby, this just seems like, man, just giving him some time with that toe. Uh, Deontay going backwards, it just feels like that might be a rest day with him. Najee's moving in the right direction. That's good. is moving in the right direction. We'll see what the uh, status report says on Friday, but, I mean, I, I guess this could go anywhere from a couple of guys maybe being questionable to maybe it being a clean slate. So there's a there's a large uh, swath of of possibility i think when it comes to it is hard to read uh this week because of the nature of a couple of these guys going backwards and a couple of star players at that in deontay johnson tj watt but uh keep your fingers crossed like i said i'll be surprised if deontay and tj watt don't play on 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 sunday really i'll be surprised if any of these guys on this injury report don't play come sunday but we'll, we'll see what the status designations say friday afternoon yeah, I think ultimately Pittsburgh will be pretty good shape from a health availability standpoint come Sunday's game. Should mention as well, kicker Chris Boswell could uh, join the scoop. He was designated to return on Thursday, opening up uh, his practice window, 21-day window. And based on reporting that occurred earlier in the week, it sounds like Boswell's going to kick uh, on Sunday against Baltimore. That move will be made official by, by tomorrow, by Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern time to replace Matthew Wright who has done a good job filling in, but of course there is only one Chris Boswell. And so um, I'm expecting Boz to be back for this game. And you would think it'd be a one for one move, right? I mean, yes. uh, you know, in, in other words, no uh, keeping right around, you know, break glass in case of emergency on game day type situation. Uh, you would think that uh, if Boswell's ready, uh, that move would be made Saturday. It'd be a one for one with, uh, with, with Matthew Wright being waived. Yes, that is my thought. Should mention William Jackson the third not designated to return. So it sounds like that could happen by next week at the earliest. It's not going to happen this week. And so will he play again this season? Seems to be the question. He may late in the year, but I doubt that's going to happen anytime soon. And of course, it's not going to happen this weekend. Right. From the Ravens standpoint, a lot of notable injuries there still watching Lamar Jackson. It seems very unlikely he's going to play. He has not practiced this week and all. Signs indicate that Tyler Huntley is going to going to be their guy on Sunday. Um, by the way, we're going to talk here in a little bit to a new Ravens beat writer, our friend John Eisenberg, as they mentioned, I believe, on the last show um, or at some point recently retired. And so we have uh, Jonas Schaefer, who did a tremendous job, and uh, we'll talk to him here in a little bit. Uh, he writes for the Baltimore Sun, and you can and should follow him on Twitter at Jonas underscore Schaefer. And so we'll talk to him in a little bit and get his take on the Ravens health uh, status and, and all things like that. But some names to watch there include Lamar Jackson, of course, um, offensive tackle, Ronnie Stanley, offensive guard, Kevin Zeitler, 
and safety Marcus Williams, who's on IR, but has been working his way back to return. So some pretty notable names there for Baltimore. Yeah, going to be interesting to see how that plays out with them with the with the notable names. And I think Daryl backup cornerback uh, Daryl Worley uh, uh, has it practice this week. Not not as big of a name, but uh, definitely watching what's happening on that offensive line with Zeitler and uh, obviously Ronnie Stanley. So uh, uh, two two names along with Lamar Jackson to watch. Definitely. So we'll get the uh, the skinny from Jonas in a little bit. Let's now shift to the coordinator corner, as they always do. Matt Canada and Terrell Austin speaking to reporters on Thursday. And I'm trying to find maybe what was most notable about, about uh, those conversations. Obviously, Matt Canada, as basically everybody on this offense has been asked about George Pickens, his lack of usage and Canada basically saying that Listen, it's a week to week thing. Not everybody can get the football. It's going to be game plan and game flow dependent. And that's just kind of how it's going to go. Everybody would like to have the football more often. Yeah, before we do, let's pick up where we left off the other day. We didn't have kind of context and really still don't have the full in- or or not. not. Yeah, they not- never posted the full interview. Uh, oh, they? I wonder why that is. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. Uh and supposedly he only spoke for like, uh, I don't know, what I, what did I Three say? and a half minutes, I think yeah. Damsky said. Three and a half minutes. And uh, 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 long story short, do you really have to cut that much out of it? I mean, uh, shame on them for that. You know, uh, first and foremost, well, you know, uh, what he said is already out there. Why not provide the full context of it, Alex? Yeah, you like to see it just in the interest of transparency. And I don't, th- I don't think he says anything so terrible that was so neat to to not have that be be public. But what are you going to do? Not in our control, right? What What do you think? I mean, what do you think based on what's out there of what he said? Yeah, I mean, I don't think. Did, did he handle it the best? No, I don't think he handled it the best. I think you know, at at best, you kind of sit there and say, you know, my my emotions got the best of me. You know, I'm going to try to work on, uh, you know, controlling that and kind of reining that in a little bit and and just be, being the best professional that I can be. But at the same time, I don't think it was this terrible A B type interview that just goes off the rails or anything like that. Um, you know, I I, I don't want to make again, I don't want to make too much out of it more than maybe what some people think that it is. Okay. Uh, I, I just, I think he could have chose. I mean, do you want to really throw around Terrell Owens? <laughs> yeah. I don't, that probably wasn't necessary. <laughs> you know, uh, it'd be nice once again, if we had fuller context of it, look, yeah. And, and I'll reemphasize here, uh, super talented kid. Uh, and, and I would like to see him get the ball more as well too here. I just think, man, just, just be careful with go- how you go about displaying that. You know, uh, to, to have an outburst every couple of weeks is one thing. But, you know, here's the hope. And this does not become a thing. Sure. And and let's hope that he doesn't take kind of the way Mike Tomlin treated it early this week as license to kind of do what he wants because he's a competitor. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, I think to your point, basically what Pickens said and what we're able to, to hear and gather is just saying, saying that this is a media created story. The media is kind of out to get me and make this a big thing. And, and that's basically following what Tomlin said. And so if anything, Pickens is just following essentially what Tomlin said right. on Tuesday. Right. Hopefully so. it gets the ball enough uh, uh, on Sunday where we don't have to 
talk about this kind of thing. Yeah, again, just my last thought there is, as Tomlin said, you don't want guys that are always screaming and mad. And for me, I think the bigger concern I have with Pickens is that you look at the Colts game. He wasn't screaming mad, but he's kind of getting in his own head. He's getting down because he dropped a pass or two, didn't make a play. And you, you, you like that. You appreciate guys who want to make plays and are competitors and take this stuff seriously into heart. But you just don't want to have that swing where you're always needing that pick me up at the first sign of trouble. But I mean, what is the worst thing George Pickens has done over the last week? Get mad on the sidelines for 10 sure. seconds and scream at no one in particular. I mean, that stuff happens all the time. He didn't sure. fight anybody, he didn't yell at Matt Canada, he didn't get in Tomlin's face. And so a dude got mad for a couple seconds, yelled, and everything's kosher now. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Right. Hopefully it's a grow up, uh, uh, you know, a, 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 a learning experience for him that, right. you know, not, not every game's going to go exactly. And, and, you know, it might be two, two or three games in a row that don't go exactly, uh, the way that you like. And he's going to have to understand that, you know, sometimes, uh, and I think that's the point kind of that Canada and, 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 and pick it and, uh, try to make is look, you know, one week it might be you. Uh, uh, one one week it might not. Next two, it, it all depends on on how they're treating you. And look, you know, Kenny Pickett, as we've as as I pointed out yesterday on on my terrible take, you know, uh, hasn't done a great job of being able to push the football down the field with success. Now the Steelers are trying to use George Pickens in a in in you know a lot different fashions other than the way he was used early in the season, which was a lot of go routes there. But it's going to take. It's probably going to take some time for some of that stuff to work where where he's getting the ball more underneath. Yeah, I think as his route tree expands and as his usage in this offense and his role in this offense expands a little bit, then, then those things will come. I wrote an article yesterday on Steelers Depot that outlined, again, I don't think there's one big magical reason for why Pickens was quiet in this game. I think there's a bunch of little ones that add up over time. You can check that out on the website. I mean, the thing to realize is, this is not new. It's the Saints in week 10, he had four targets. He's had games with three targets this year. He's a feast famine player. And when he feasts, he feasts. And when there's a famine, you know, he gets pretty quiet. But that's kind of the role he, he's playing right now. That's his position. And that's part of the structure of this offense. It has a rookie quarterback that does not want to turn the football over, has not turned the football over in four straight games. A team record, by the way, crazy stat there. And they're running the heck out of the football. And so they're taking the air out of it. And that's going to limit chances for Pickens and for most skill players, most receivers on this team. And so it's not really anything out of the norm for me. All right. Uh, Canada was asked, uh, let's see, how much are you expanding your playbook and how much are you giving uh, Kenny? Uh, how much how much more are you giving Kenny Pickett as he matures? He says, again, probably not what you want to hear. <laughs> don't don't start an answer out <laughs> like that, Matt. I mean, you, you're already going to get uh, criticism anyway. I, 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 as this quote circulates, I can imagine that uh, getting a lot of sarcastic response. But I get where he's coming from. But uh, he says, again, probably not what you want to hear, but not much. Uh, we've had a lot in. I think you want an identity, right? Uh, you're fighting to get that. And when you're young, maybe you feel uh, you don't see that as well if you're not inside the building and understanding where we are. So obviously, each week you try to find some wrinkles. Each week you try to find those matchups. But I don't think there's been a dramatic increase at all in what we're doing now. We're just executing better. and. Uh, that he could have he could have left his response just at that and say, uh, but it's, it's not as colorful. It's not you know it it it, it uh, it's much better I guess to make a word salad out of it. But the the the, the key here with this offense in general and and 
you know, why they've had some success in these last four games and of which they've won three is they're executing better. Yeah, that's part of it. And I thought Canada had an interesting comment about accountability. And that was something that players talked about a fair amount uh, during and right, right after the bye week. And he says, quote, I think there's more accountability amongst the players with each other. And so take that for whatever it's worth. But I think that kind of raised an eyebrow to me in a discussion where usually Canada says a lot of nothing. But um, he seems to think that that, that kind of stuff that I imagine was talked about openly in some hard discussions during the bye seems to be paying off now. Look, you've got the continuity we've talked about several times with the offensive line. Uh, you've got Najee, you know, seemingly being a healthier player. You've got a quarterback that's now been under center for multiple games in a row. That's got to be a lot more comfortable, uh, in this. You've got, uh, you, you, you out goes Chase Claypool, uh, in comes Sims and, 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 you know, kind of a, uh, montage of guys that you're trying to use in the slot. You get a lot. I think it, it is just getting more comfortable, uh, because look, there, there's not a lot of new in here at all, right? Offensively. I mean, it's the same. They're, they're running a lot of the, you know, predominantly all, all, a lot of the same stuff. Uh, they're just, we see the offensive line firing off the ball more. We see Najee Harris being able to get more yards after contact. We see this team not have to face as many third and long situations, uh, overall. Uh, they are ex, you know, we're not seeing them shoot, shoot themselves in the foot with these you know, as, as much with these, uh, uh, unforceable penalties, right? Non-forced penalties. So, sure. uh, you know, can't, can it continue? I mean, we'll see. This is a big week that they better be executing, uh, what they have in that playbook right now. And as far as what he had to say about, uh, how do you get George Pickens the ball more? That's a great question. I think we're playing how we want to play every week. That may happen. Uh, I'm not sure everybody's going to get the ball as much as they want every week. We've got Pat Frymuth. We've got, uh, Deontay Johnson. We've got George. And we've got some other guys in there. Zach Gentry, Steven Sims, Gunnar Olszewski, Miles Boykin. We've We've got some guys who all probably want to catch some passes and plus the backside of the backfield, uh, uh, plus the back, backside of the backfield, plus we want to run the ball. I think that's supposed to say plus the backs in the backfield instead of backside of the backfield. I think they got the quote wrong there. I mean, I know, uh, I know it probably looks uh, really, really easy, but to do that all the time and get everybody the ball and we have running, uh, running game and all those things, it's all dictated by the game. Some games it's different than others. And obviously I think it's also very easy to play quarterback with a clicker. Uh, and say, what about this? And what about this? There's a reason there's only 32 guys starting in the national football league this weekend. Yeah. I mean, it's not a whole lot there. It's just a general OC speak, but if you're running the ball well and you're producing more than you have, and this, this is obviously not, not a well-oiled machine of an offense putting up 30 per game, but it's been better. It's been more sustained, less penalties, less unforced errors, things like that. And ultimately they're winning. When you're winning and, and things are working, you're not really trying, you're not caring too much about how much George Pickens or any one player gets the ball. As long as the results come in, you're happy and you, you just kind of keep pressing forward. He was asked if he thinks his offense is one of the more complicated offenses. He says, <laughs> Which I is a funny question. I laugh at the question. Uh, I wouldn't think so. He says, I wouldn't be able to speak to anybody else's, but I don't think it's complex. I just think we're executing better. It's not complex at all. Uh, quite honestly, how, how, how complex is the Ravens? Off? Uh, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit more in depth, but I mean, it, the Ravens offense is pretty much they, it is, 
it is what it's been. Uh, now there are, uh, you know, a few different layers that the Steelers don't do, you know, that they, they pulled their, uh, they pulled their offensive linemen quite a bit. But I mean, from a complexity standpoint, I mean, how much more complex is the Ravens offense than the Steelers? That's fair. I mean, probably not significantly. They're just better personnel, better people overall, and they've had a cleaner and clearer identity in part because of the personnel and the quarterback and things like that. I mean, I will say Pittsburgh's run game has been really diverse this year. It's hard to really pin them down to just one base scheme that they run. They've run kind of everything this year. The past game has probably been um, less uh, complex overall, less variety. So yeah, I think in, in some sense, both teams are kind of structured the same way. One team obviously with with better results than the other. All right. Uh, to recap the biggest takeaway here, and, and it, you know, he's correct. Uh, the offense, you know, is not, ex- not really expanding. It's just executing better. And the other takeaway is we'll try to get the ball to George uh, as best, as, as much and as best, you know, as, as often as we can, but uh, some weeks it, it might not be there. Just real quick, I know it's a, a snapshot of a moment, and we'll see where the rest of the season goes, but we're getting close to the end here, Dave. What are the odds Matt Canada returns in 23? I feel like they, they've gone up. I mean, not that there's a running stock to them, but I, I feel like, you know, obviously six weeks ago, two months ago, I would have said this guy's not coming back, but now I'm starting to think this guy's going to come back. <laughs> yeah, you laid it out at a perfect time uh, to upset the apple cart a couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when, when did you post that post on Canada? It's about, it 10, about ten, two, yeah, two weeks ago, right before yeah. everybody else started talking about it. But I think that, right. that hit that right at the right time. I don't know which way this is going to go. I really don't. I think. But you think the odds have increased? Oh yeah, I mean the, the, the odds have have definitely increased. And man, if this some if if this team somehow winds up. Making the playoffs, I mean, uh, would you uh, – here, here's the thing. We need to see Kenny Pickett continue, regardless of what happens when – obviously, you want to, 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 you know, to win these games and get in the playoffs. But will we be able to say from midseason, which was about the time we drew the line in the sand, you know, after the Eagles game there, to the end of the season, has Kenny Pickett and the offense progressed uh, enough? That that oh, that's sure. that's it. That's the question that we need to answer uh, at, at this point. And this team's not. This team needs to score more points as a byproduct of Kenny Pickett and the offense getting better. Uh, if and. The two things that I laid out is two things we've talked about forever now. Uh, it's it's red zone with Kenny Pickett. It's it's throwing the football more than ten yards down the field with success. Uh, if those two things, if we see improvement in those two things, and I, and obviously scoring would be a byproduct of that because you think they have another touchdown or two a game, then yes, his he his his job uh, will be safe regardless if they go two and three in these final five games. Yeah, I just see the overall progression. I see the way that Tomlin's defended Canada uh, stronger than probably what was required or expected. The fact that we presume that he's under contract, whatever is worth Kenny Pickett, talking him up yesterday, talking about the good relationship they have, the open-mindedness Canada has. I know people may not like it. I know most people will not like it, but I think it's a distinct possibility he returns. And to his credit, I feel like, 
over the last five games, I don't think there's any, been any big schematic errors. There are things you can nitpick and talk about as you can over any sort of, you know, large sample size of plays. But I mean, I don't feel like I'm not as angry watching this offense as I was the first five weeks of the season. All right. But I mean, you, ha- but you haven't, there's not a lot's changed. It's just the execution's better, and they're not shooting himself in the foot. It, it, he's he's he, he's able to call a little different game too, right? Because he's not in third and sure, but he's not as predictable. They're not running all those sprint outs they were running that were just fruitless. They're not. He's not as anxious to go back to a play that might look like it would have worked, you know, as he did against um the Patriots when they tried to run that wheel to Pickens and just stuff like that. I think he has called a better game, truly. All right. Uh, here's the two biggest things, though, that that have happened. Uh, Kenny's not throwing interceptions, and the running game has gotten better. Sure, those are cr- critical components. Absolutely. So the, the players get a ton of credit for for their progression, but you know, I think there's a coaching component to that as well to to coach these coach this whole thing up better. Now, if you go if you go five and zero oh in these final five games, but yet we're still saying, man, look at. Look at Kenny in the red zone and look at this 35% completion percentage on. I mean, is that on who, who, you know, where does the blame lay in that? You know? Yeah. I mean, the coaches always get some level of responsibility. Buck stops with them and, and all of that, but it would just depend on the particulars, you know, of why he's struggling. Is it him, him making bad decisions? Is it him being put in bad spots? You know, et cetera, et cetera. So it's hard to, hard to answer those things in a vacuum. Well, look, uh, uh, after week, I don't know, six, seven, or after the, the loss to the, to the Eagles, uh, I was, I, I was pretty sure that, right, that this is going to be it for Matt Canada. Uh, Dang. uh, I'm, I don't know what's, I, I'm at the point now where I don't know what's going to happen right now. Period. Right. I'm with you. So anyway, uh, we'll move on now to Terrell Austin, who I don't think had, a lot to say, kind of push back on the quiet numbers that TJ Watt has had since his return, still saying that he's an impactful football player, which of course he is, and the stats are, are a bit misleading overall. Continued to praise Levi Wallace, Cam Sutton, the way that Mike Tomlin did on Tuesday. Anything else from Terrell Austin, Dave? None. I mean, unless you got anything, there re- there isn't really anything uh, earth shattering unless you got anything to kind of talk about here. No, that, that's probably it for me. So that'll wrap up the uh, coordinator corner. I think that's actually anything else that any player said during the week that you want to address or talk about here. Um, Deshaun Jackson said that he talked with Mike Tomlin this offseason about potentially signing that obviously did not work out. Now he's a Raven. So there's an interesting footnote to, to that story. Yeah. It, it, and it sounds that was more like, you know, uh, we, we can talk, but there's going to be limitations to, uh, I, I don't know how in depth that went. You know, it, 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 it probably wasn't a very deep, uh, 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 discussion about possibly adding Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. And then I think, um, you know, once they draft Calvin Austin, they draft, uh, George Pickens, they claim Miles Boykin really wasn't a, a role or a home for Deshaun Jackson there. So. Uh, let's do this. Let's take a pause here. As I mentioned, top of the show, let's talk with Jonas Schaefer, who writes for the Baltimore Sun to get his input and perspective on the Baltimore Ravens. You can and should follow him uh, on Twitter at Jonas Schaefer. That's un- uh, Jonas underscore Schaefer, S-H-A-F-F-E-R. We'll take a pause and come back with Jonas. Okay, welcome back to the Terrible Podcast. It is Friday, and with the Pittsburgh Steelers set to host the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday at Acrisure Stadium, 
uh, first of two meetings between these two teams this year, a little bit later in the season than normal. And usually, as uh, over the years, we've had uh, the uh, John Eisenberg on, but John uh, John Eisenberg uh, no longer, you know, he's retired now, uh, no longer works for the uh, Ravens uh, website. So we've gone out to free agency, and we've got a great replacement for John Eisenberg, and that is Jonas. Schaefer. Jonas covers the uh, Baltimore Ravens for the Baltimore Sun. You can find Jonas on Twitter at Jonas underscore Schaefer. That's S-H-A-F-F-E-R. You can, of course, read his work on the Baltimore Sun website, baltimoresun.com forward slash sports. So with that long introduction, Jonas, welcome to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. Thanks for joining us. Dave, Alex, thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to it. Yeah, looking forward to it indeed. And looking forward to this game this week. Uh, First of two meetings and the Steelers all of a sudden have a little bit of a heartbeat here when it comes to trying to get back in this thing. Uh, It will need to start on Sunday by uh, beating the Ravens, uh, obviously, at Akershire Stadium. Uh, The Ravens come into this game. Uh, you know, it sounds very, very, very unlikely that Lamar Jackson is going to play in this game. Uh, probably going to be Tyler Huntley, uh, who is no stranger you know, to this offense and really to the Steelers. The Steelers faced them uh, late last season as well, too. So let's start on on the offensive side. Well, let's start on the, on the health of this team, Jonas. Uh, you know, it goes without saying that J- Jackson's probably not playing in this game. I think the other two most notable names on the injury report heading into Friday would be Kevin Zeitler and uh, Ronald Stanley. Uh, uh, what do you expect to happen with them? And what about J.K. Dobbins? Uh, he has this uh, 21-day window open. Uh, is he going to get activated this weekend? That one I'm not sure about. Uh, you know, we don't get a great look at the running backs in practice. Uh, all the reviews from Ravens side of things have been pretty good about JK. But again, this is a guy who they can't afford to rush back. Uh, they've already had one setback with him having started the season, not looking too great, then going in for the scope. And, you know, according to the doctors, according to what Harbaugh has told us that the doctors told him it was a massive success. But again, uh, you know, this is a guy who if they make it to the playoffs, they would rather have it 90 percent than 70 percent. If they think that rushing him back uh, a week early, whatever that means, means that he's going to be at 70 percent for the rest of the season. I don't think they're going to make that uh, that, you know, that risk. So I'm inclined to say that it'll probably be another week before he is back in the mix, which means it's Gus Edwards. Kenyon Drake, a little bit of Justice Hill there. Uh, Kevin Zeitler, uh, I was surprised to see him not at least limited on Thursday. You know, practice is about to start in about an hour and a half. So we'll we'll have a better idea. But he seems like a guy uh, from just what I saw him doing around the locker room on Wednesday, walking around without a huge amount of pain, uh, that he would be the kind of guy who, you know, straps on the pads on Friday and then is good to go on Sunday. I mean, he's an extremely tough guy. Wisconsin graduate, you know, a dude who, who rarely misses a game. So I, I would be surprised considering we didn't see anything horrific happen in that game on Sunday if he's not able to play in this one. And, and the uh, same thing with Ronnie Stanley. You know, he was full go on Wednesday. He was limited on Thursday, probably just as a means of uh, you know, kind of limiting his snap count, so to speak. So I think we'll see him out there again today. And I do think uh, we'll see him back out there on the field on Sunday after after missing a couple of weeks. Okay, and with Tyler Huntley coming in at quarterback, you look at the All Twenty Two, and we, you know, we study that and even go back to last year. Uh, his his skill set, you know, is, is you know, obviously he's not 
you know, doesn't provide uh, the same thing exactly what Lamar Jackson does. And there's not many quarterbacks in the league that has this capability and ability uh, to, to make people miss, but they don't, they don't change that offense much of anything, right? I mean, they, it, it, it's kind of plug and play, if you will, with Huntley. You've got the offensive lineman on, on the move. You got misdirection with uh, the running backs. You have, uh, I mean, uh, you really have to be on your p's and q's of of the window dressing, if you will, with the motion. So you expect much, much more of the same of that. Uh, uh, you know, not too much, you know, a change in the offense with Huntley, Huntley under center, right? From a 30,000 foot view, I think that's that's right. But when Hunley's actually at the controls, it's a very different offense. Just to, you know, maybe the, I think, most salient kind of comparison between those two guys is uh, this is just off the top of my head. But I think Lamar is near the top of the league, maybe 10th or so in air yards uh, per attempt. It's something like 8.8 or 9 thereabouts. Huntley, when he got in there on Sunday against Denver, which was having a nice little pass rush, uh, you know, with with the Ravens O-line being a little bit banged up. I think he was at 5.3 air yards per attempt, which was third lowest uh, in week 13. And, uh, you know, he was, I think, 20th last year in, in average air yards compared to Lamar, who I believe finished second. So it is a, it's Ben Roethlisberger-esque, if I can, if I can uh, <laughs> use, use, use a comparison for you guys, because he, you know, last year didn't have great O-line, which I think might've affected just how he wanted to go out there and, try to you know dice up secondaries. You know, he was a three-step guy, five-step guy, boom, boom, the ball's out. Whereas Lamar has a tendency to pat the ball a little bit. He has a tendency to scramble around a little bit more. I certainly look for the deep ball more. I mean, if if Tyler has completed more than one or two passes beyond 30 air yards downfield, uh, I would be surprised uh, in his career. Obviously, he doesn't have a, a huge sample size, but he is a guy who, you know, I think finished like with an 85% accuracy uh, on Sunday against Denver, but still, you know, that, that a lot, lot really of didn't matter to a whole lot. Right. Yeah. I mean, like you saw just how thin the margin for error for this offense was because he just wasn't you know, able to move this team downfield in chunks and the run game was a little bit of a mess. So uh, it, it's a very different kind of passing game when Tyler Huntley is in there compared to Lamar, even if the X's and O's and the pre-snap motion and all the window dressing is technically the same. Jonas, is there a rhyme or reason for how they deploy their running backs? They always have a, a pretty healthy rotation. And with Gus Edwards back, Justice Hill, Kenyon Drake, is there a certain situation each guy gets used? Or is it just kind of just a random rotation that just try to, tries to keep guys uh, fresh overall? If the run game is working, I think it's pretty much a hot hand situation. But when you when you break it down situationally, it, it usually works out to be Gus Edwards is going to be the early early down back, you know, the bowling ball who's going to get you a couple more yards than you might hope for, even though ever since he came back from that hamstring injury, he really hasn't been doing a whole lot of work in terms of mowing people over. Um, you know, some of that is on the offensive line, just not really moving people like they used to. But I think on third down, uh, you will see a lot of Kenyon Drake. He's uh, probably the best pass protector of the bunch. Uh, he was uh, really critical on that final drive that the Ravens had against Denver, where they went ahead. He's a you know pretty trusted uh, pass catcher, and then Justice Hill is kind of the change of pace back. He's you know got good speed, but uh, just doesn't always look too comfortable within the the confines of the offense, and hasn't really done a whole lot since he had a kind of promising start. So. Uh, again, unless JK is out there, I think it's going to be uh, you know pretty close uh, split between Drake carries and uh, Gus Edwards carries. 
Well, whenever Lamar is out there, obviously this Ravens offense can be pretty potent. But one number that surprised me was their 23rd in red zone offense at 51%. Any particular yeah. reason why they're struggling inside the 20? They seem to have success between the 20s, get inside there, and they seem to, to stall a bit more often. Yeah, that's been the the question that's just been dominating sports, Baltimore sports talk the, the past couple of weeks because that was probably what cost them against Jacksonville. I, I think there are a lot of factors. I think the Ravens have uh, not been as uh, insistent on running the ball close to the line, close to the end zone as, as they probably should have. They, you know, even if they will rumble all the way to the ten or the five, they tend to take to the air. Um, maybe because that's just how. Defenses are playing them. Uh, you know, Lamar hasn't been especially accurate in the red zone. He's had guys drop balls in the end zone. Um, they, they've been a little bit more smash mouth in terms of their their personnel packages, a lot more, you know, 22, 23, as opposed to maybe doing something like what Philly does with Jalen Hurts and their own dual threat quarterback and spreading things out, making maybe making it easier to, uh, you know, to, to run up the middle or, or to, to find an open receiver. So, uh, you know, this is an offense that, with Lamar and Greg Roman has traditionally been one of the better red zone offenses just because of that math advantage that he gives you as a runner and his ability to extend plays and, and you know, not to discount the fact that the Ravens have a bunch of uh, really good tight ends led by Mark Andrews, but Isaiah likely has done a good job this year as a rookie. Josh Oliver has, a, has had a pretty strong season and is, you know, has a good size at six, four, about, you know, two, four, two fifty. So um, it has been very, very surprising to see them struggle but, you know, even when they do struggle down there, you at least have the, the ultimate security blanket in Justin Tucker. Uh, yeah, he's got uh, any time you get the midfield, that guy's uh, good to go there. Uh, uh, when you when you look at uh, Tyler Len, uh, Linderbaum here, uh, you know, we, we studied him quite a bit, uh, thinking that you know, maybe the Steelers might have some interest in him in a draft. Uh, uh, obviously, a little bit shorter arms overall. That was the thing that kind of scared me the most about him uh, there. But he seems to have held up pretty good. Where, where were you on Tyler Linderbaum uh, uh, you know, ahead of the draft? And where are you now on, on him, Jonas? I thought he made sense as a prospect for the Ravens because of their issues at center. You know, they were losing Bradley Bozeman. Patrick McCarry wasn't really a guy who you could trust to play 17 games a season. And then Eric DaCosta went up at the Ravens pre-draft meeting and basically described a center who was antithetical to what Tyler Linderbaum was, which is to say big, strong, long-armed. You know, Tyler Linderbaum is strong. He's got that, that wrestling sure. background, but uh, he was not – the guy who fit the prototype that Eric DaCosta was describing, nor did he fit the prototype for the, what the Ravens have traditionally looked for in their linemen in general, that they want these big brawlers. And Tyler Linderbaum was, you know, 6'1", 6'2", uh, 290 pounds coming out of Iowa, as you mentioned, the small arms. And, and I think that has been a, a liability at points in pass, in pass protection this year when he's gone against the, the real uh, blue blood Defensive tackles this year, he has struggled at times, but then again, so has everyone, and, and he's only a rookie. Um, but you know, they they are still, I think, finding ways to to weaponize his run blocking, and it's it's fun to to see him, uh, you know, get out there on on pin and pulls, or or you know, just kind of try to wash people uh, out on on zone runs. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what he is in year two compared to year one. I think. Right. In terms of pre-snap management, there's still a little bit of a learning curve for him to, 
to conquer. You know, obviously it's it's a whole different game when anyone on any defense can blitz compared to the little bit more limited athletes that you see in the Big Ten. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes the Pro Bowl. I think that game where he put poor Devin White on a poster a couple times has done a lot for for his PR. Uh, but I, I think he's probably closer to like a, a top 10 center at this point than a top four center. Yeah, look, he moves great in space and, and, and is really strong. I think uh, just in the phone booth is probably the biggest uh, kind of concern with him. Flipping over to the defensive side of football, man, you look at uh, Justin Houston, you want to talk about uh, veteran guys getting it done. Uh, this guy really has nine sacks on the season. Another old guy uh, on the outside there in Calais Campbell, five and a half sacks this season. What is... Uh, you know, uh, you know, those are kind of you know surprising numbers for a guy like Justin Houston at this time time of year with nine sacks. Why is he? You know, why has he been able to have kind of the success he's had uh, at his age as a pass rusher? You know, he he, he really put in a lot of work this offseason. Um, I think it should be noted that he's what gone without a sack for the, the past two games and. I guess just just one QB hit in that span, so maybe a little bit of a regression coming to town for him. But uh, I think he, you know, is a great fit for what this Ravens defense wants to do on third downs. You know, they they have these very cool pass rush games where you know compared to the kind of standard um, you know stunts and twists that you might see along a four man front, they will use a blitzing off ball linebacker to create that kind of action. So uh, if you guys were watching that Ravens saints game where he, he just really went off, there was, I think the first sack, you know, he, he engages the guard, you know, after lining up as like a three tech or something like that. And Patrick queen, who's playing off the ball, uh, off the ball a little bit, you know, threatening the blitz just comes in and like a bowling ball just knocks back the guard that he's with. And that speed and that, you know, kind of maneuver, you know, stuns that line into submission basically. And Justin Houston is able to, to loop around uh, queen because he's expecting him to, to come in and free him that like that way. And, you know, Andy Dalton steps up into the pressure and Justin Houston takes him down. So, uh, you know, for, for a little while there, Houston was averaging the sack every like, gosh, every like five pass rushes or something. I mean, it was just absurd um, that they, they have him also, obviously on a little bit of a pitch count this, this year, because he is up there in years, but He's a guy who's just so te- technically sound, who's so dedicated, who's such a great teacher that there's really nothing that he hasn't seen. So even though he might not be the athlete that Nadafe Owe or Tyus Bowser is, he-, he definitely knows what's going on on every single play. And he is so, so well studied in terms of what the opposing left tackle or right tackle wants to do on every single play. Obviously, Baltimore making a big move ahead of the trade deadline, acquiring Roquan Smith from Chicago. It seems like he's been an every down kind of guy uh, over the past couple of weeks. But what has he done uh, for this defense and what has his overall role and, and presence been to this unit? I think it's been huge. You know, I think as big of a loss as Rashad Bateman has been to the offense, uh, Roquan Smith has been that important to this defense. You know, they were they want to play with a light box. I, I think they're top five in the league. If you look at the true media stats in terms of just how often they will play with like six linebackers in that box area. And for a while they were really suffering the consequences of it. They were getting gashed. Uh, they, they, they couldn't really stop anyone, uh, you know, run game wise, you know, me- mediocre run offenses, uh, average run offenses. They just, were really having their way with the Ravens. And, you know, that was even with Michael Pierce when he was still healthy. But you, you bring in Roquan Smith, 
You bring in Tyus Bowser, who's a great edge setter. And you know, I haven't checked the, the DVOA since the game, the game against Denver, but heading into that game against the Broncos, I think since week nine, which is when both Roquan and Tyus came back, they were number one in the NFL in, in run defense. And you know, Roquan just has far more range than Josh Bynes does. He's such a smart player. He's a good tackler. He's able to help the Ravens on later downs, of course, just with his ability to, to cover and to blitz. Um, so I, I think that's probably for me the the most interesting matchup of this game. You know, the, the, can this rejuvenated Steelers running game do anything against the, this Ravens uh run defense? Because you know, they haven't faced a lights out rushing attack um basically since since uh since Roquan arrived in Baltimore. But everyone that they've gone against has met a similar fate. And it's like the average yards per contact for per rush for these opponents against the Ravens since since they brought in Roquan has been like 0.68 yards per oh, wow. carry, which is just absurd. And um they've done a good job of tackling. So uh, I think that's gonna be a, a huge, huge uh you know game within the game to, to focus on because obviously I, I don't think Steelers fans want Kenny Pickett, you know, facing third and eight every single drive. Sure, definitely not. Yeah, that Ravens front watching their tape, very tough to run on overall. I had to, uh, two quick questions for you about the safety group. Is Marcus Williams going to play at three picks in five games before he got hurt? I know he's been working his way back. Is he going to get activated on Saturday? The uh, the tea leaves seem to suggest that he will be. You know, he's catching the ball in practice with two hands. The coordinators talking about how excited he is to, to come back. Um, you know, I don't know just how careful you have to be with the wrist injury. I'm sure that's something that the the team doctors and the trainers will evaluate, but it seems like considering this is his third week of practice, that would fit the timeline of when you would expect someone like him to, to come back and, and play. So I, I think it will be him uh, you know, being activated on Saturday and then playing on Sunday. And then that probably bumps Geno Stone uh, out of the rotation and more into his special teams role that he, that he had before uh, Marcus got hurt. Okay, gotcha. And then I was going to ask about, of course, Kyle Williams, another first-round pick, one of my favorite guys in the draft. What has his role been, and how how will this rotation look? You have, as you mentioned, Geno Stone, potentially Marcus Williams. There's Chuck Clark as well, Kyle Williams. A, how has Williams done? And B, how could all those pieces potentially fit if Marcus Williams is, is back and ready to go? Yeah, let, let me correct Galaxy just because all the Williams on the Ravens is Kyle Hamilton, right? Oh, God, <laughs> so I'm sorry. God, yeah, Because <laughs> I'm thinking Marcus Williams. And so yeah, I no, I got Kyle you, Williams. I, I got apologize. You, Kyle Hamilton. No, all good. Uh, he was, uh, Kyle was uh, kind of a player without a position to start the season. I mean, the Ravens have so much safety, safety depth. I, I don't know, you know, where Geno's PFF grade is, but I think the, the biggest, you know, testament to just how deep they have been is that he actually has graded out higher on PFF than Marcus Williams, just because of what they're asking him to do. They're not asking him to play as much, you know, it's kind of of a center field role, but with, with Kyle Hamilton, he is a big part of what they want to do with that light box stuff because that they drop him in as a, uh, you know, kind of overhang defender as, as, as a nickelback, the kind of stuff that he was doing at Notre Dame. And they just ask him to wreak all kinds of havoc. I mean, he didn't have a sack in his entire football career until he got to the NFL and the Ravens started blitzing him. And like in one of his first games as a semi-regular blitzer, I think against Miami, uh, he, you know, beat the blocker with a pretty nice move, got to Tua and took him down. He's been involved in a couple of other pressures and then in coverage, which is obviously where there was some concern, some trepidation over how he would fit. Uh, they've, they've been able to find a spot for him. You know, they, they, this Ravens defense is not playing as much man-to-man defense as it did under Wink Martindale. 
they are, are more traditional, more or they are more conventional defense, uh, a lot of zone, a lot of too high shells. So that means that you can really make use of, of you know, Hamilton's awareness, his ability to get hands on, on defenders. Um, I imagine we'll see a lot of him matching up with, with Friermuth on Sunday's game because he just has such a, uh, you know, 1% uh, body. You know, he's tall, strong, long. He's the kind of guy that you want to have to blot out some of the these, you know, elite tight ends that you're going to see in the AFC and the NFL. So um, and he was still, he's still working his way back from injury last week. I forget exactly what his snap count was, but, um, you know, if it's the right kind of game, you know, th- th- this could be a situation where he, he will almost never leave the field. Jonas, we got to wrap you up and get you on your way here. But uh, before we do, how about an X factor for the Ravens uh, heading into this game on Sunday and then a score prediction? Which way do you see this game going? X factor. I mean, I guess it would probably be Marcus Williams just because of the the uncertainty of him. And, um, you know, the Ravens traditionally have done a good job of really – putting a lot of nightmares in the in the minds of, of the rookie quarterbacks it's usually happened in baltimore um so it's, it might be a little bit of a different situation you know on the road where you where we have that comfort level but i mean you mentioned i think marcus williams is still top 10 in the nfl right now in interceptions despite not having played since week five so uh you know they're not asking him to play like the center field safety he was in new orleans um which you know has its advantages it has its minus it has its disadvantages but still he's been able to be around the ball a lot, make huge plays for this defense. And, and that's, I think, even more important now considering how limited this offense might be uh, in a game like Sunday's. Score prediction, gosh, guys, uh, I, I don't know if you've been watching uh, the season of White Lotus, but I, I was just kind of thinking <laughs> to myself, this, this game, just like the season of White Lotus, could literally go anywhere. Nothing would freaking surprise me. I, I think the, the prediction that I put up, um, it should be up online soon is like 17 Raven, 17 Steelers, 16 uh, in, in a case like this. I think it just, you know, what units on the field do you trust the most? And for me, that's the Raven special teams, especially against what has been a kind of weak Steelers uh, special teams group. And then the Ravens defense, which is, like I said, really running into form. Fair enough. Fair enough on that. All right, Jonas, look, uh, we appreciate first time on the show here. Uh, we, uh, we hope to have you on a couple weeks from now when these two teams get together. Hopefully that game will mean something from the Steeders side of thing uh, uh, there. But uh, in the meantime, uh, make sure you follow Jonas on Twitter at Jonas, J-O-N-A-S underscore Schaefer, S-H-A-F-F-E-R. Uh, read his work at BaltimoreSun.com. Jonas, Alex and I appreciate uh, having you on the terrible podcast. Thank you, Jim. Thanks, guys. Appreciate having me. And welcome back to the Terrible Podcast. And again, our special thanks to Jonas Schaefer, first-time guest. And I'm hoping when thinking we'll hear from him uh, whenever these two teams meet in just a couple of weeks in week number 17. Again, follow Jonas on Twitter at Jonas underscore Schaefer. And he did a great job. Big shoes to fill, but I think he did a... did an admirable job there, Dave. Absolutely, he did. Uh, uh, likes to go in depth with some of the numbers and talk a little bit of schematics. You can tell he watches the tape, and that's always good as well, too. Look, uh, having a new guy in here and having to replace, uh, you know, John Eisenberg. Uh, you know, please shout. You know, if you're on Twitter, shout these guys out, please. Especially first time in this instance with Jonas. Let him know uh, he's heard and his time, uh, uh, you know, is well spent and 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 those kind of things. So it's at Jonas. J-O-N-A-S underscore Schaefer, S-H-A-F-F-E-R. It would mean the world to Alex and uh, myself if you'd shout these guys out and appreciate and, and thank them for their time for being on the podcast.
he's our Kenny Pickett. You know, Eisenberg was our Ben. That was our guy for a decade, our <laughs> Hall good, of Fame guest. Good analogy. <laughs> no, um, so be sure to show him some love the way that Steeler fans show Kenny Pickett. Uh, some love. So, all right, Dave, let's you and I preview this game Sunday, one o'clock. Big game overall. Baltimore eight four, Pittsburgh five and seven. This one means a lot for both teams. Pittsburgh trying to keep those faint playoff hopes alive in Baltimore in a heavy competition in the AFC North with the Cincinnati Bengals, who are red hot right now. Let's start with this Ravens offense. Obviously, some injuries to talk about, most notably a quarterback. Again, expecting very strongly that Tyler Huntley. Uh, Tyler Tyler Huntley uh, will be the quarterback in this game, replacing the injured Lamar Jackson. Uh, some question marks up front along that offensive line in terms of guard Kevin Zeitler, offensive tackle Ronnie Stanley, uh, running back J.K. Dobbins. Will he play in those kinds of things? So it's a little hard to gauge who may be playing in this one. But I think regardless of who's playing, the overall structure and scheme of this team will generally be the same. I think you properly titled the scouting report on the offense this week. Ravens offense showing a little schematic change with backup quarterback. And yeah. uh, that is you, you click on. Uh, and obviously, you know, uh, because uh, he hasn't really played this season, you either have to watch the Denver game uh, from this past week or go back to late last season there. But uh, just, I mean, just schematically offensively before I even cracked open the tape, uh, this week on the Ravens, I knew what I was going to get. And because, uh, they, you want to talk about identity and, and, and offenses having an identity. They've had, had this identity for a while here. And, uh, yes, Jackson is not going to likely be in here, uh, but they have a same style kind of quarterback in, in, in Tyler Huntley. He seems very, very confident and comfortable with running what they run and, uh, he's obviously not the same athlete, but let me tell you, he can still, he still, he can still use his legs. Uh, he's not afraid to use his legs. He probably bails out of the pocket, uh, quicker than a, a guy like Lamar Jackson does. Uh, uh, and he's, 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 you know, not as accurate down the field as Lamar is. But, uh, the other stuff that they run in between there, especially with the running game, you want to talk about, uh, horizontal, uh, horizontal with vertical elements uh this is it it's kind of the which which way are they going and who has the ball because uh they will run against the grain they'll pull the guards one way and they'll run you know the the you know the, the ball carrier whether it be a running back on a on a counter or a uh uh a jet sweep uh type type uh player coming off the edge there they will run against the grain. There's a lot of window dressing in here, uh, and there's a lot of offensive linemen at times on the move, and it can it can really stress the defense out of knowing, you know, which way the football is going here. Yeah, they are a Dave Bryan special. They love their pulling Ooh. guards. They'll pull them. They'll pull. They pull everybody. They pull centers, tackles. Center bump tackles. Yeah, I mean, they full back. They got Ricard that they use in a variety of different ways. Pretty unique guy in terms of his usage. So just just window dressing keys, uh, reading your keys, stuff like that. Um, they throw everything at you. Then you factor in the quarterback mobility and what that offers. Just a ton of layers to this run game. Really is, and then you throw in the fact that. Uh, tight end central <laughs> man where did they get where did they get all these all these tight ends just come out of the wood woodwork you know uh, i don't think i could have told you until a couple of weeks ago uh who josh uh, uh who josh oliver really was you know uh 
Right. Uh, uh, San, San Jose State. I sure watched maybe a clip or two along of him at some point during the process, but I didn't know he was. But, you know, they had a game, what, a couple of weeks ago where uh, Andrews was out and I think uh, likely got uh, dinged up and in and, and, and comes a guy like Oliver here. Uh, they have got to run the most tight end over routes, don't they? It feels like it. That was a big thought of my report was how they, they move and, and match up their tight ends in the red zone. They run a ton of benders. They try to win with leverage. And certainly Mark Andrews in this game, uh, one of the top weapons at tight end. And he's their leading guy, especially with Bateman being out now. I mean, he has always been their go-to guy. Just watching that last drive, the game-winning drive that Baltimore went on last week to beat Denver, what they, what they did with Andrews, they isolated him three by one backside. They ran slants. They ran back shoulders to him. They run benders in the red zone. How do you deal with these tight ends? Andrews likely has come on really strong for them. Uh, his rookie year was not a guy that tested well coming out, but he's just kind of a, he's kind of a slightly bigger Connor Hayward in terms of not being a, you know, maybe not testing off the charts, being a bit of a tweener, but just a great football player. Um, really impressive receiver. So how do you deal with those tight ends? It's going to be one of the biggest concerns in this game. We're going to see some uh, three safety from the Steelers this week, right? Oh, yeah. I expect to be the, the big nickel package. I expect Casey to play a ton in this game. Uh, it, 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 it goes, it, it's too simple to say you just have to shut down the run game because the run game has so many different elements, uh, to it. I mean, the wide receivers are part of this thing. Uh, obviously the running backs and Huntley as well, too. So, uh, this is, this is one of those eyes games, right? Where uh, you better not uh, let your eyes get fooled uh, uh, when it comes to the Steelers defense. Yeah, to Pittsburgh's credit, they've done a not that he's playing in this game. We, we don't expect Lamar to play in this game. They've done a good job historically to take away Lamar both in the passing game and with his legs. But they've still had so many games where they've allowed 200 yards on the ground because the backs are getting there. They got a bunch of good backs that are getting healthier and fresh and. Kenyon Drake. Again, where do they find these running backs? They just put in a veteran every single year and, and they let him go. And, and it's Kenyon Drake this year. They still got Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. We'll see if Dobbins plays. So, of course, as you said, you want to contain the run game, but there's so many layers to that. It's a whole lot easier said than done. But you got to got to tackle well. That's obvious. You got to get off of blocks. You got to win the point of attack. You got to um, know where the ball's going. And it's really an 11 man job because they're going to they're going to put everybody in, in conflict. They're going to stress this whole defense. They're going to run receiver jet plays. And so everybody has to bring their best to stop this run game. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you got to get them in, in obvious in those long passing situations there, uh, I think is, is the key. I mean, it is with most quarterbacks on a weekly basis anyway, but, uh, uh, that you got, you got to get out of, out of the guessing game. You can't let them stay ahead of the chains because look though, uh, one, I think you can count on a couple of things in this game. Uh, obviously them, them running the football in different various ways here. And the second thing is, uh, Andrews and Deshaun Jackson, I think in particular are going to get a lot of targets in this game, just on that kind of that underneath zone settling type stuff. And then when they do need to stretch the, uh, stretch the field, I think it's going to be, 
uh, Jackson vertically, probably down, you know, some of these cover three beaters that we've seen in the past uh, against the Steelers. I mean, there's been a couple that uh, in past Steeler games were decided a game of them, them not uh, 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 completing a couple of those, you know, down the seam against, uh, you know, kind of these zone defenses here. But I think you'll see them try to get the ball deep uh, at, 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 at times to Deshaun Jackson. And then, you know, we talked about the over routes to, to, to the tight ends, especially to Andrews. That's the way that he can explosive play you and then the other elements is 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 those soft t- t- type zone throws and there there seems to be a lot of them to to Jackson and Andrews uh when Huntley came in the game yeah I'm expecting a lot of Yankee concepts and they're going to clear stuff out with Jackson to open up things underneath and so um how do you play man versus zone in terms of their speed in terms of Huntley's mobility how do you blitz how do you pass rush differently are you a bit more conservative trying to contain Huntley um, although I think Huntley's a guy and, and the player who spoke to this, he gets the ball out pretty quick. He's not a guy that that's looking to run a lot, but he certainly can run in some of the design quarterback run stuff. Um, they're going to do. So it's a tough group overall that they, they take generally good care of the football. Um, they're playing pretty assignment and fundamentally sound. They want to run the football. So, you know, it's always a challenge. It, it's, it's Steelers Ravens. There's really nothing new to, to, uh, discover. It's going to be interesting to see how, how, how much he tries to push the football down the field. Uh, more than 20 yards in the air. And even Lamar Jackson, uh, I don't think has had that much, uh, success at that. Looking at, uh, Sports Info, uh, uh, solutions stats on 20, on, on air throws of 20 or more air yards. Alex, uh, Lamar Jackson had a, had attempted 40 of them. Uh, how many would you guess that Lamar Jackson has completed of those 40? This is air yards, 20 plus yards. This is 20 or more air yards past the line of scrimmage attempts. He has 40 attempts. I'm just going to random guess, really no idea. 16? Lower than that. Mm. 12. 11. 11, 11 okay. completions, which is just a hair more than 25%, right? I didn't, uh, I didn't do, I didn't do that great, uh, in high <laughs> school, but I think I'm, I think in, in 10, 25% and it's yes, one, so 27 and a half percent. It's one more louder. <laughs> <laughs> Take off your shoes for that one. All right. Uh, now as far as Tyler Huntley goes, obviously hasn't played you know, much of any, uh, two attempts of 20 air yards or longer, zero completions. So he, he's going to air a couple of them out, you know, against the Steelers. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, if he's able to now, when you get into kind of the, uh, you know, the intermediate range, let's say 15 to, uh, let's look at 15 to 19 real quick on the air yards and how many of those, uh, n- there were none such throws by Huntley against Denver. If you can believe that. I, bl- I mean, his stat line, he was 27 to 32, but for a buck 87. So, I mean, that is a very conservative stat line overall. Uh, let's look at the 10 to, let's say 10 to 15, probably 30 of them. (laughs) I mean, probably not that many, but everything was short in that game. Uh, he had six attempts of between 10 to 15 air yards and five of them were complete. Okay. So, I mean, that that means the vast majority is under 10. So yeah, that's good. The the quick nature, the, the get the ball in space idea, this offense, but Let's flip over to the defense now. New DC, uh, Wink Martindale, to me, one of the best DCs in football. He's gone. He's up in 
like New York now with the Giants, I want to say. And so they have Mike McDonald as their DC. I think schematically they're a bit different. They still get after the quarterback. They're I think, fifth in sacks with 37. They got 15 guys that have at least one sack this season. So they are getting this stuff from everywhere, but they're not as chaotic looking on third down. They don't blitz as much as last year. And so I feel like it's going to be a little less challenging for Kenny Pickett just from the schematic standpoint where there might not be so much pre-snap chaos happening, especially on third down. Well, I think if they, if, if they were going to try to up anything to in, in, in this would be trying to maybe have a little bit more pre-snap uh, or post-snap kind of rotation to kind of, to, to maybe conf- confuse them. But I mean, overall they're predominantly a zone defense, I think uh, 61%. Uh, uh, zone coverage versus man overall. Uh, they're, uh, they're more of, uh, middle of the field open type coverage because of that, which plays along with, you know, playing more zone. You have a, a, a middle of the field safety more often. 44%, uh, coverage of middle of the field, uh, 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 open, uh, type situation, type situation with them, which is actually that ends up being, I, I got them reversed there. Uh, middle of the field closed 39%. Uh, they run a little bit more middle of the field open coverage than I would think at 44%. Yeah, there's a variety. I saw a lot of cover too. Um, against teams that go twin sets and tighter splits, they seem to run a bit more cover three. So again, there's a pretty decent variety. They got some really good corners over. Marlon Humphrey's still one of the best corners in football. He's got three sacks this year. And so he's a guy that's used on some of those third and medium type pressures. Um, again, they bring a lot of different people, even if their blitz rate's not terribly high, they're effective. They get home when they do send people. They got Marcus Peters. And uh, as I talked to, to, to Jonas, Marcus Williams may return, which may open up some of their, um, you know, post snap rotations and things like that. And Kyle Hamilton, not Kyle Williams, like I said, mistakenly, um, you know, he, he's one of my favorite guys in this past year's draft class. And so maybe some of those health things will allow this team to, to be a bit more creative. He can cover a lot of ground, can he? Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a big long strider downhill force. He's a little tight hit. I mean, he's not a great man uh, cover corner, but or he's not a corner. He's a safety, but he's a guy that, that certainly is a, a pretty freak of nature. Uh, I didn't, I spent more time on the offensive tape than I did a defensive tape uh, with, with, with the Ravens. Uh, is this to suggest that there's more covered, more kind of straight zone cover too? Yeah, I would say that um, it was hard to identify a real clear pattern necessarily, but I think there's certainly more zone base than they have been. But again, they mix things up well. They don't they don't do just one thing. And a guy like Humphrey's going to move around. He'll play in the slot and cover your top guy if you want to bump him inside. So um, it's it just a, a a solid defense overall. I mean, it, it feels like the um, the AARP club. I mean, you got Justin Houston, Calais Campbell, some old guys that are getting after the quarterback. Man, they right get now, him though. They get do. Him down. I mean, Houston's got nine. I think Jonas said a bit quieter lately, but still a threat. Clay's Campbell, dude's 36, still playing great football. Hopefully, yes, that's what Cam Haywood's probably striving to do in, in a couple of years, still be the, the next Clay's Campbell type of guy. Uh, in terms of their run, de- my biggest concern, similar to the Colts, but the Ravens are better and they're healthier, is their run defense is so stout. And you had Roquan Smith and they two gap so well. Just watching some of these games, how often the, the back had to change his path instead of going the way the offense wanted him to. He's bouncing. He's having a jump cut, trying to find a different lane. This team is so fundamentally sound. They two gaps so well. The linebackers are, are fast flow type of guys. They play the perimeter runs well. I trying to run the ball in this group is going to be a, a big challenge for our Steelers team that has gotten much better at running the football. It's really going to be a strong litmus test to how good this run game is because the Ravens are extremely stout. Uh, too high shell, 56% of the time with them. Uh, 
which is, I think, uh, ranks them around right outside the top 10 in usage when it comes to too high shell. Uh, they run a light box, as you, you kind of, you know, point out, which kind of lends to obviously more, more, more too high situations. Uh, 58% of the time they run a light box in there. So you got to make them pay for that. And that'll be tough to do with Roquan and, and Patrick Queen. Uh, Queen's a tackling machine, man. I mean, it just seems like every time I write up the weekly write-ups of uh, AFC North recap and who the, the leading defensive tackler is on that team, it's, it's, it, it's easy. It, it's usually uh, Patrick Queen. Yeah, he's gotten better. I know he had a tough start to his career, but I think he has improved. But now Roquan Smith, since he was acquired, and I think he kind of took a week to get integrated in the system, but the last three games, he's been an every-down player. And so now he's their top guy and, of course, a fantastic uh, guy off-ball. And so there's threats at every single level, whether you're talking D-line, linebacker, corner safety, just a really strong defense uh, through and through. Uh, they, you know, they can, they can stand up guys and put their hand in the dirt and do a lot of different things with them. So, uh, they're not a heavy blitzing team overall. And I wouldn't think that, uh, change Kenny's been, Kenny's been pretty decent against the blitz this year on top of it there. So I think they just, uh, they just try to keep a lid on things. Don't give up the big play and, uh, uh, shut down the run and get Kenny in those, uh, third and eight situations there. Yeah, that's the goal, I think. But again, it comes back to the run game because Pittsburgh's been able to lean on it so much. It's a huge reason for their success. It's certainly one reason why they've not turned the football over in four straight games. Again, that is a Pittsburgh Steelers record. If they hit five this week, which will be tough to do because the Ravens have 20 takeaways this year. But if they hit five, they're going to be in rare NFL history territory. So that's going to be key. But it starts with running the ball effectively, and, and that's going to be the biggest challenge, the biggest X factor in this game. How, 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 I mean, what kind of rare air are we talking about here with the, uh, with, with the no turnovers in five games? I'd have to pull it. I, I had it. Um, I, I can, I don't know if I mentioned it in my actual article, but there's only been a handful of teams since the merger that have gone five straight games without a turnover. I can try to pull it up here quickly. If All I right. Can. Uh, and can. I'll read off the red zone. Uh, 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 while you look for that Ravens, uh, defense in the red zone, 55 point, uh, actually they, them and the Steelers are right there together when it comes to defensive red zone numbers. The, uh, the Ravens are at 55.26%, uh, 15th in the league and the Steelers at 55.56%, which is tied with the, uh, with the, uh, with the Patriots at 16th in the league. And also the New York Jets have, uh, the same red zone percentage there. So both of these teams teams are kind of right in the middle of the uh middle of the league when it comes to red zone uh defense and it looks like the Steelers are a little bit better in goal to go uh or a little bit uh let's see 63.16 versus 65.22% uh in goal to goal situations so those teams are right there uh same once you get down low since the since actually we'll go 1950 only five teams have ever gone five straight games without a turnover. Last time was the uh, 2019 Cardinals, the NFL record, seven straight games by the Patriots in 2010. So if Pittsburgh mm. be, goes another goes this weekend without a single turnover, they'll be one of six teams in essentially NFL history to ever do so. What uh, What is – do you uh, – Kenny Pickett has gone 128 pass attempts mm-hmm. now without an interception. Uh What's 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 the what's the franchise record for that? For a rookie or just any quarterback? Just just 
with the Steelers, what, what, what's the Steelers record for that period? I do not know. I would have to do some research on that. Uh, what do you um, have related to that? Maybe. I don't have any other information in terms of any, any stat off the top, oh, yeah. but I mean, I'm sure it'll be monitored and tracked and hopefully it's still a conversation to be had after this game. I mean, he's going to have at least what? 24, 25 attempts in this game. You would think. Ideally? Yeah, just call it. He says he, if, if he, Say one fifty attempts uh, total if his if his streak extends th- through this game. So I mean I don't know. Yeah, I'd have I'd have to look. Um, I could do some some quick back of the napkin type math, but probably not. <laughs> I, I, I just I don't want to put you on the spot. I mean I'm sure you'll have that by the time uh, the game kicks off here. But I mean it's, it, it is quite impressive, and uh, the way that the Steelers are going to win this game is by not turning the football over. Yeah, but again, easier said than done against this Ravens team. They're they're twentieth. Uh, they have twenty takeaways. They're I think plus six in turnover differential. That's one of the better numbers in football. So be a big challenge, but it is going to be the goal. That is for sure. So what uh, what, we, what 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 do you fear the most about this Ravens defense? Just the ability to stop the run. Yeah, the uh, biggest concern absolutely um, because it's become so critical to Pittsburgh's success. And so in, in their run defense, they two gap. They're old school. They they play it really well. Uh, I know that in twenty ten. Ben went four straight games without a pick. He threw 131 passes over that span. I don't know how much it extends into other games and things like that, but right. there's one streak I'll be circling. So pick it may be close. I don't know, but uh, I'll try to get that for you before kickoff. All right. All right, Dave, that wraps up. And then real quick note, of course, on special teams, they got Justin Tucker. They do have a new punter in Jordan Stout. Sam Cook's gone. But uh, yeah, as Mike Tomlin said, as you said, the Ravens hit the 50, they're in field goal range. Mm. And that, that's an element to this. It certainly cannot be overlooked. Right. And, you know, that's the thing, though, is you got to, you got to keep them to the field goals, you know, uh, sure. let, let, let Justin Tucker do his thing, get his four field goals, five field goals or whatever. Uh, just keep them out of the end zone, man. And you'll have a shot to win this game. All right, Dave, let's uh, make our picks for week 14. But before we do that, let's hear from our friends over at my bookie. Absolutely. Let's see here. Your favorite athletes always strive to put themselves in a winning position, and it's about time you did too with MyBookie. MyBookie has the biggest online selection of odds and contests to fill all your sports betting needs anytime, anywhere. Bet on the NFL, NCAA, or play for a share of big cash prizes in the weekly blackjack tournaments that they have. Sign up at MyBookie. Use promo code TERRIBLE on a deposit of $500 or more, and you can claim a bonus of up to $200. Again, that's promo code TERRIBLE to claim a brand new deposit bonus designed for betters looking to get their cash in and cash out quick. Experience sports in a whole new light and make this season a winning one. Bet anything anytime, anywhere with my bookie and some additional promo details here. The new deposit bonus is a 10% cash bonus on deposits up to $2,000. The minimum deposit amount is $50 and the maximum bonus Amount is $200, and this bonus only has a one-time playthrough amount. It doesn't lock you in, which is a major pain point for online gamblers. Focus on the cash-in, cash-out aspect of the bonus and not the percentage there. So a good uh, a good time to get into my book if you haven't yet. Once again, use promo code TERRIBLE on a deposit of $500 or more, and you can claim a bonus up to $200, and you can bet on anything, anytime anywhere when mybookie.ag 
All right, Dave, let's make our picks for week 14. All right, and as we mentioned, we are both uh, 0 and 1 uh, heading into the rest of the week here. Vikings at the Lions. Let's rattle through these here. Lions laying two and a half at home against the Vikings, if you can believe it. Yeah, give me the Vikings. I'll take the Vikings plus the two and a half points as well, too. I think they can win that outright. How about the Eagles on the road against the G-Men? Uh Eagles favored by seven on the road against the Giants. Yeah, it's a pretty big line, but I'm going to roll Philadelphia. Uh, all right. I, yeah, I'm, I'll take the Eagles uh, on the road late to seven along with you here. Browns on the road against the Bengals will be Browns fans this week. Uh, Bengals laying five and a half at home against Boy, Watts, I, I peered in on a couple of highlights. So Watts, Watson looked pretty rough uh, in his in his first action back. Bengals laying five and a half at home against the Browns. I wouldn't mind the Bengals beating the Browns. I think there's probably some value in terms of trying to kick yeah. out some of those potential wildcard teams. Um, Watson will look better, but Bengals win. I'm going to have to hold your hand on this one as well, too. Give me the Bengals lay to five and a half points here. New York Jets on the road against the Buffalo Bills. The Bills laying 10. Uh, the Steelers could use some help here uh, with the Jets getting an L. Uh, Bills laying 10. You know, that, I know Mike White not as good last week. That Jets defense is super talented, though. I think Bills win, Jets cover. Uh, I'll take the Bills to cover that big number. I'm not scared of that at all. I think they get it done uh, in this one. Let's go to the Texans on the road against the Cowboys. 17 and a half points Ooh. in this one. Ooh. I know Davis Mills back at quarterback for Houston. That's a huge line, though. I'm going to say the Texans find a way to cover that one just because 17 is just too large. Man, uh Dallas at home, uh, they just really seem to be clipping right now. I, I'll, I'll lay the points. I know it's a big number. I'll lay the 17 and a half on this one. Jaguars on the road against the Titans. This one should be an interesting one. Tennessee favored by three and a half. Moving on from the general manager yeah. this week. Leading the division midseason like that, pretty. I, there's got to be a story to there's that. There's got to be. I, I, or is this just we can't watching AJ Brown do? Right. Did, did uh, is that what got him upset last week? Is watching AJ Brown do what he did last week against him? I, I don't, don't know. know. Man. Something wilds there. Titans so, laying three and a half at home against the Jaguars. Yeah, give me the Titans. Yeah, give me the Titans. I'll lay the three and a half. I <laughs> right. can, that's a tough one there. Uh, Kansas City on the road against Denver. Another big line, this time for a road team. Chiefs laying nine and a half on the road against Denver. Honestly, thought it'd be a larger line than that. I'm going to go Chiefs, that Broncos offense. One of the, I think the worst since the 2013 Cardinals, something like that. So give me Casey. Yeah, give me the Chiefs. I'll lay that nine and a half with you. Carolina Panthers on the road against the Seahawks. Seahawks laying three and a half. Uh, this will, the Steelers' next opponent, I believe, is the Panthers here. Seahawks at home laying three and a half. I can't believe that's only three and a half. Twelfth man, give me Seattle for sure. Yeah, give me Seattle in this one as well, too. Boy, we're not differing too terribly much on these games here. Buccaneers on the road against the 49ers with a new quarterback. Uh well, poor Jimmy G can't, can't catch a break, or he catches, <laughs> yeah, he, he, got a break, yeah. he catches too many breaks, doesn't he? Uh, 49ers mm-hmm. at home against, uh, man, Brady pulled, Buccaneers pulled one out of there, you know what, the other night. Uh, 49ers laying three and a half at home against the Buccaneers. I really don't know which way to go because that 49ers defense is so strong and the Buccaneers offense still looks so bad. Purdy versus Purdy. I know. How do you, how do you pick Brock Purdy against Tom Brady? You know what? I'm going to say the 49ers. I don't know why. I'm just going to go 49ers in this one. 
I'll go Buccaneers to win this outright. I, I'm not, I'm not buying here. I'll take the three and a half right. points here. Yeah. I, you give me Brady and three and a half <laughs> points against a, a rookie there. quarterback. I'm, I'm taking it here. Uh, there. Dolphins on the road against the Chargers. This should be an interesting game. Dolphins on the road laying three. I don't know what I to look- make of the Chargers. Yeah, I never do either. I think Miami finds a way to bounce back in a big way. I think they're going to win big. Uh, I would. This has push written all over it, by the way. This has the Dolphins actually winning by three, but uh, I'll take the Dolphins and I'll lay the three points in this one. Patriots on the road against the Cardinals. Uh, Patriots one and a half point favorites in this over over the Cardinals, who are pretty much, I think, out of it at this point. Yeah, uh, this is in New England in Foxborough. Oh, it's on the road Arizona. against Arizona God, here. I don't know which way I want to go. This one is a real pick them to me. I'll say Arizona for just for the home field advantage. Uh, the Steelers could use a Patriots loss here, right? You know, sure. uh, I, I think I, I think the Patriots will find a way to, to get this done by more than a point and a half. So I will take the Patriots, lay the point and a half in this one. That circles us, that should circle us all the way back to Ravens at Steelers. And this one has bounced around quite a bit, obviously, because of the Lamar Jackson uh, news right now. As we sit here on mybookie.ag, it is the Steelers laying two at home versus the Ravens. You know, I get a little cynical this time of year, and I just worry about that Steelers' ability to run the football. They've done a tremendous job. This week will certainly be a very big litmus test for for how you know consistent can they be against a really top-tier unit. Certainly not facing Lamar is a, a big advantage for Pittsburgh, a big help in this one. It's always close games. You kind of throw everything. The old cliche, throw the records, throw the stats out, out the window. End of the day, though, people... People should like me because I've kind of been the kiss of death in this stuff, but I got Baltimore winning this one 17 13. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. I have no idea which way you're going to go. So I'm, I'm really curious to get your pick here. Uh, I, I worry about a lot of the same things that you do. I worry about this. Can, you know, they've ran, they have run good as of late. Can they continue to run good against this, uh, against this Ravens front? And, and I have my doubts and I'm afraid uh, what might happen if, 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 Look, I mean, Kenny has struggled in the red zone too. And I, I just, I, a lot of these things I think are, are, are going to come to a head. Uh, third and longs, uh, maybe shooting themselves in the foot, uh, one too many times in here. I'm going to play bad guy in this one as well, too. Uh, I'm not buying to me. This is an easy money game, to be quite honest with you. I would definitely take the Ravens plus the two points in this one. And I have them winning this one 22 to 17, Alex. 22 to 17, 22 to 17. That would be 39 points in total, which would put it over 36 and a half in this game. Uh, I think this is easy, easy money. Uh, uh, Ravens plus two and taking over. And I hope to hell that I'm eating uh, Raven uh, <laughs> uh, on Monday, but I, I I I wonder how this team is going to score enough points in this game because I think Tucker's good for twelve to fifteen of them in this game. I you know I, sure. I think that Raven is going to be good enough to move the football into Steelers territory to to at least get points that way. Yeah, that's fair. So again, it'll be close. It comes down to fourth quarter, last five minutes. Who makes a play? It's really anyone's guess, but push comes to shove. Just the run defense for Baltimore, I think, can can minimize some of the success Pittsburgh's had, and that's why I'm going with the Ravens. Now, look, if the Steelers win, I mean, we're, we're having conversations. Uh, we're starting to do all the math, right? 
I mean, they, yeah. this, I mean, sure. even even if it even with it being a backup quarterback uh, in Baltimore, this would be this would be a huge, huge Steelers win. Oh, yeah. Back, I don't care if it's a backup. I don't care if they're playing Brent Hundley in this game for some reason. I mean, a win's a win. And that's all I care about. All right. All right, Dave, let's uh, close out today's show with some reader emails. All right. How how much time do we have here? Uh, just a couple minutes. Running a little long here. All right. Uh, we'll fly through a couple in here. Uh, comparing the trajectory of Moore to Cora for a high guy. This is from Dominic. Uh, quick question here. Could Dan Moore Jr. be on a similar development path uh, to his fellow Steelers tackle Chukwama Okorafor. Okorafor was a raw prospect that was sprung into action sooner than expected and struggled with certain type of pass rushers. I remember him struggling with speed rushers more than power rushers early on, whereas Moore struggles with powerful bull rushes. Still, now Okorafor has developed into a very solid right tackle. I wouldn't say very solid right tackle. I mean, he's a, he's a serviceable right tackle. He's not an all pro, but consistently grades out well and seems to do very well in pass protection. He seems to have improved in a running game. Some big fan. Thanks for all the hard work. What would you say about could Dan Moore Jr. Be on a similar developmental path as Chiquamo core for? Yeah, I, I get that in terms of dealing with power. I don't think Okorafor does a, a terrible job against power. I think he's uh, maybe a bit more technical in some sense than, than where Dan Moore's at right now, but a more experienced guy, so you kind of expect that. I think Moore innately is a stronger guy than Okorafor. His run blocking's better. He gets a better push, and so they're not exactly the same in that respect. So I understand the general framework of what you're talking about. I think there are some differences, though. I think it just more has to clean up his technique. I think he has the potential to be a powerful guy that can anchor if he just works on his hands a bit more with a core four. He's a pretty technical player. He just innately doesn't have a lot of strength. And I think Moore has done a good job in these last several games alone with, with his hand usage. Yeah, I think it, I, the power still giving him a lot of problems. Since the Bengals game and, and, and DNs are watching that and copying that, the Colts did it, uh, Gawkway did it, uh, Carter did it last week. They're running with, with a lot of power and he's getting walked back. And so as his punch has improved, his independent hand use is certainly uh, he's a lot more comfortable with that kind of stuff, but Howard's really giving him fits. Uh, Bryce writes in, uh, first of all, uh, outstanding job covering team. Dave, hope you start feeling a little bit better. Let's see. Uh, from what you've seen on tape, who's the weak link on this Ravens offensive line that the Steelers can exploit? That's number one. I mean, it depends on some of the health of the group right now. If they get Stanley back and they get Zeitler back and you got Linderbaum in the middle, then I don't know if there really is true one. Uh, what right tackle, I guess that would yeah. be. I mean, he's, you know, he's a, a good player when healthy, I guess would be their left guard, uh, Ben Powers, if he's going to start, but I don't know if there's that, you know, Carl Dunbar says you find that, that fish of the week who's the weak guy to go after. I don't know if that one name sticks out. Maybe, uh, Hayward over Powers. Yeah. I would probably go Watt versus Moses. Maybe. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I mean, Moses is getting older, but he's a, he was a good tackle when healthy. He was always hurt, but mm-hmm. played through a bunch of stuff. But but that's probably a good one. Uh, Alex, every ounce of uh, Alex, although every ounce of me wants to tell you and Paul Zeiss of the Post Gazette to get off the drugs for even suggesting the Steelers might bring back Canada. I do see the logic you're trying to convey. So here's my take on that. If uh, in these last games the offense comes alive and Tomlin decided to run it back with Canada, and they see him as a coach they've developed so to speak, then I would say hire two more experienced offensive coaches in the offseason as consultants to help with Canada's development and surrounding with plenty of ideas to help him mold a better offense. That's the only way I see it working uh, to bring him back. He wants our thoughts on that. Look, 
if, if, if Canada's kept, I, I don't think you're going to see the coaching staff grow with consultants. Yeah, it's not typically what Pittsburgh does. They don't have the consultants too often. They have one of the smallest coaching staffs in football. Um, we'll see if the offense progresses well and pick up plays well, then I think it's going to become more and more likely Canada's back in the booth in 23. Look, everybody focus on red zone with Kenny. Uh, obviously not turning the football over. You hope that continues uh, red zone with Kenny and him being able to push the football more than 10 yards down, down the field. And obviously can, can this running game uh, can, can continue on that, that those are the areas we need to see this offense points, 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 points uh, need to score more points, right? Matt Canada, uh, Todd, <laughs> Todd Jens, Jensler writes in gentlemen, I really enjoyed your spirited conversation regarding George Pickens and his antics on the field. I have to say, I side with Dave on this. Uh, if he's going to act that way, he's going to get grilled with questions that needs to be somewhat accountable. My question is, is who is the most important person on the team that would be the quarterback? Kenny does not need any distraction or anything deterring from his job right now as the leader with everybody publicly clamoring for the football and then throwing tantrums uh, when they aren't isn't a good optic. Kenny said he likes a clean huddle. So hopefully the chatter is minimal there. Hey, look, I think uh, uh, rookie aside, I think it's, it is time for Kenny to say, shut the F up, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what's being said, you know, behind closed doors and things like that. But... If indeed it, that needs saying. Yeah. Right. Again, a guy getting mad on the sideline. I mean, you know, it happens all the time. So I think Pickett's led this group well. I read about that, I think, last week that I think he's developed into a really good leader. I don't know what kind of quarterback he's ultimately going to be, but I think he's already cemented himself as a leader, as a, as a guy uh, people look towards, and the moment's not too big for him. So I trust he'll be able to handle and, and sort that stuff out well. Uh, he says, what are your opinions regarding Tomlin uh, supporting George like he did? I think we sort of addressed that the other day. When is it when is, when is it acceptable versus en enabling? George is already starting to have a little bit of a questionable history from getting ejected from a game after a fight, throwing water in the face of a player in college, pouting when it's not going his way. I hope the team leaders can reel this in uh, a bit or, or, or we will once again – uh, have distractions a la AB that won't help pick it on the team. And look, I, I thought uh, we talked about this the other day with Tomlin's response. I thought Tomlin handled both sides of it, really. I, I you know, not going to don't want to say, uh, I want to say, rather say woe than sick them, but on the flip side, saying we have to, ha there's conversations about this. Sure. He didn't sit there and say, it's fine. Pickens can do whatever he wants. We're not going to address it. He did add that part. Um, and, and listen, while I think some of this stuff's been overblown, I'm not uh, as concerned about it. There's a cold calculated reality to Pickens is a really good player and the really good players get more leeway than the players who aren't so good. AB got a lot of leeway because he was Antonio Brown. And so, you know, Pickens will get that kind of latitude that Gunnar Olszewski would not get to have, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, one last one. Uh, basically, I, I, this is a long one, but uh, Berkey wants to know kind of where's the wide receiver leadership? Uh, who, who, who do you see being the wide receiver? Where's the where's the wide receiver leadership coming from? Well, I, I think Deontay has shown uh, a, a lot of that thing about the Colts game, the, the photo that got captured of, of Deontay having a moment with George Pickens, who was kind of dejected after some of those drops. I think Deontay, he was venting frustration early in the year. I think he's kind of uh, played off of that, cooled, cooled down a little bit, and really focused on being a leader. It's a pretty young group overall in terms of age and, and the newness of it all and the trade of Claypool and things like that. But I think for all the 
the difficulty Deontay's had this year, I think he's done a good job to be a leader and try to to, to lead this group that um, is looking for somebody to, to kind of be a guy. But but to, to that point, you know, could this team look for a real true veteran type next year? They have not had that guy in a while. I think that makes sense. Uh, Alex, uh, please address uh, I, I, the the victory uh, uh, formation. Uh, well, I mean, do you want to address the actual what happened or the whole commentary? The whole commentary. Uh, 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 recap every uh, everything. For, uh, look, uh, the recap what what the what the offense lineman was asked yesterday. Yeah, James Daniels. I, I've been picking up on this because I'm the one guy that watches the crazy enough to watch the kneel downs. And James Daniels has been playing musical chairs in terms of where he lines up. He was left tackle earlier this year for a kneel down. He was right tackle against the. Uh, the Falcons and I, it's just a fun, silly story. I'm like, what's, I just want to know what's going on there. And, uh, he was asked about it and really didn't have an answer. Just kind of smiled and say, you know, pay attention and, and stay tuned and that kind of stuff there. So I'm just having fun with it. I'm glad somebody asked. It was funny. The reporter that, that asked that said some people are wondering and it's really more, more like one person wondering. Um, but I'm just happy that, that at least somebody asked James Daniels about it. Yeah. Some people are wondering. Yeah. They, uh, Joe Rudder did not want to give, you look, these, <laughs> these guys don't, these guys, we know what's going on. They don't want to give, uh, you know, Alex on the site, any credit whatsoever. In fact, uh, the whole, uh, Cameron, uh, 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 Craig Ironhead Hayward, uh, there's been discussion. People said, I don't, I don't remember who pointed it out. But oh, uh, really? yeah, there's uh, there's I, I don't remember who pointed out the con- uh, the uh, the Craig Hayward play. Uh, but uh, yeah, they, they know who pointed it out. It's uh, all good. Again, I'm just happy that Daniels was asked. because I didn't think anyone would actually take the time to ask him about that. So I wish Daniels would have given an answer because I right. still want to really know what the story is. So right. it's all good. I'm not. Right. Sleep over this, so. All right. Uh, I just had to get that kind of gig. <laughs> you know me. I got to get those know, gigs in there when, when we can. But uh, it's evident a lot of people read and listen to uh, uh, Steelers Depot and, and, and Alex Kazora and uh, Kazora's Twitter feed and uh, the pod, everything. Uh, it's, it's pretty evident that's going on. And we appreciate everybody for listening and reading as well, too, even if they don't want to provide pop, proper uh, credit there. All right. Anything else uh, before we get out of here, Alex? You'd like to add? Nope. I think that's it. We'll come back Monday, hopefully, cover Steelers win. And uh, if, if the Steelers win, I'll be watching those kneel downs. I got my eyes on you, James Daniels. Mm. I want to know where I think. Left guard's got to be next for him. He hasn't been a left guard yet. So they, I'm going to assume that. Maybe they're trying to all log snaps in different <laughs> positions. What do you think? What do you real quick? What do you think I, it is? I think it's just I an inside know. joke. I don't know what they're doing. I think it's some I, joke. Maybe they are trying to log all, all all at different positions, at least one snap. But it's but, just Jake. Oh, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, it, is there point. some sort of record in play? You know, is there some sort of thing that's never been done here? You know, in play. I mean, unless Daniels is actually going to play center, which I don't think he's going to do on a kneel down. I mean, I mean, he he, he played it in college. I mean, that's you true. Can, you that's can get true. one snap out of him, right? Yeah, that's true. So I I don't know. We'll, we'll, we we got our eyes on you, James Daniels. All right. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. You can follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com. If you like, uh, want an ad free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the ad free button upright navigational bar. Uh, fun show. Make sure you, uh, shout out Jonas. Uh, Schaefer on the Twitter machine. Thank, thank him for joining us. Uh, all, you know, to talk Raven Steeders today. And Alex and I'll be back on Monday as always. Thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with Dave and Alex.
Hey, babe, what you got there? This is a check from Carvana. I just sold my car to them. I went online and Carvana gave me an offer right away. Then they just picked up the car and gave me this. Well, that's a big check. Well, obviously you could put this towards your next car, or we could finally get that jacuzzi, or I could start taking tuba lessons, or I could quit my job and write my memoir. Or I can put it towards my next car with Carvana. Sorry, your check, not mine. Sell your car to Carvana. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get a real offer in seconds.